You can turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. So one of my favorite things to do is to learn things. I like figuring things out. I like learning how people do things. I like studying things. I like researching things. I like finding out information. I, I just, I can't help myself. I like to feed myself lots and lots of information. Uh, as I do, you know, the things that I'm interested in, I, I try to find people who are really talented in a particular area, and I want to learn about them and learn about how they do things. For instance, like, um, for years and years, I've, I've played saxophone, and of course, after college and, you know, working and having kids and things like that, I, I don't get to play as much. There are stints where I go years without picking up the horn, but every now and then I'm like, hey, I'm going to get that out again and play some more. Or maybe it's guitar, or lately I've been looking at piano, and I, I try to find, like, people who are really good, and I go, how do they live their life? Like, how did they get good? What are the things that they're doing what are the things that they're studying? What is their thought process? Like, what is their philosophy? How do they approach these things? And I really look at their way of life to see what I can learn from that, right? I learn a lot by not just being told what to do, but looking at the bigger picture of someone's way of life, how they go about thinking about living and practicing and doing whatever it is they're doing. And this morning, we want to be talking about a way of life as followers of Jesus, that we are called to, to have this overall picture in view of the way that we are supposed to live and follow Jesus, and how um, when we get that right, we get that understanding right, that informs all of the individual decisions that we make. We want to have this solid foundation that these aren't just simply like things that we do, but it is a lifestyle that we are living before God. We've been working our way through the letter of 1 Peter, and so far we've covered the greeting where we see that Peter is writing. He's an apostle of Jesus, and he's writing to Christians who are scattered throughout different re regions of what we today call Turkey. It was, it's Asia Minor. And last week we looked at the uh, word of praise and blessing that he gives as he begins his letter. And now we're going to get into the meat of it. And he's going to begin to give some instructions about a way of life. And as we read through this, we're going to see this idea of a way of life coming up over and over again in this passage. So we're going to read together this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy." Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, 
but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, so we read this next section of the letter, and we're not going to cover all of it today. We're going to cover about half of it. But the reason that I'm reading it all together is because I want you to see that all of these ideas are connected. In fact, one of the things that I might encourage you to do over the next few weeks is maybe just once a week, if you had some time, read through the entire letter of 1 Peter. It's one in my Bible, two, three, four, five, six pages. Shouldn't take too long. Read it all in just one sitting and and do that, you know, once a week for the next several weeks. And one of the things that um, you'll find as you do that is you'll begin to make connections that are spoken of in chapter 4 that he started back in chapter 1. And a lot of times when we read a a Bible verse, and even in my own devotionals, I read smaller chunks because I want to take my time and be slow and process it and things like that. But I often miss some of the overall themes and the connections when, um, when I don't read a whole book together. But there's a lot going on here, and there's a lot of interconnected pieces. And so a lot of times as we work through this, we're going to read a little more than we're going to talk about in a day because I want to just broaden our understanding of the context and what's going on and see how each part fits into the whole. In the section that we're going to look at today, uh, there are three commands that are given, and we're going to discuss those commands. Um, The first is a command to hope. The second is a command to be holy. And the third is a command to live in reverence. And this is what we're going to focus on as we begin to think about a way of life before God. For the first, first of all, we are called to a watchful hope. He says here, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now, notice here the the verse begins with therefore, and that means it's linked or connected to what preceded it. And the gist of it is because of what God has done for us, and he's calling back to the things he discussed in this word of praise. He's back there in in verse 3, he talked about God's great mercy. He talks about how we were given new birth into a living hope, how we have an an eternal inheritance stored up for us in heaven, how God will guard us until that day. He talks about the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And because of all these things that God has done for us, we are called to live in hope. In other words, all of the spiritual realities that we discussed from verses 3 through verses 12, 
They're not just good ideas to hear and kind of be like, okay, that's, that's great. These are spiritual realities, and we are to base our lives on them. They should have an impact on how we live. And he's going to describe the way that we should live because of these spiritual realities. It moves us to live in a particular way. And that's with a watchfulness and a hope. He says, with minds that are alert and fully sober. This minds that are alert, it's, it's a cool picture. Um, literally, this reads, uh, girding the loins of your minds. Now, that's a, a weird phrase that we're not used to hearing. But the, the, the picture is, have you ever like, had to go out and do some work, but you're kind of like not quite ready, and you've got to like hike up your pants so that you're your, your jeans or your pants don't get in the way. They're kind of in the way. And you like tighten your belt so like you're ready to move. Like that's the picture here. It's like people in this time, they wore long robes. And if they were going to go out and do work, imagine trying to do anything athletic or anything physical where you had to like bend over and pick up things with a long robe. It doesn't work too well. We don't, ladies with dresses probably know how this is. I, you know, I don't, I don't wear dresses or long robes. So I don't know, all I got is pants to hike up, you know? But, but if I, like, these are not athletic pants, but if I were going to play basketball, I would start by doing this, right? Because it gets me ready to move. That's the picture here, all right? But it's not a physical thing. It's tying up the robes of your mind. In other words, get the mind ready for action. Pay attention. Be ready to make some decisions engage your mind. He tells them to be fully sober. In other words, be completely in control of themselves and alert. And the question is like, what is it that's controlling you? And he says, I don't want you to go about just in ignorance or in a stupor where you're just unaware of what's happening around you. But be aware of the reality of God and his work in your life and his work in the world and don't be distracted by earth, earthly consumption. Don't be distracted by filling yourself with all of your desires. Don't be controlled by that. But stay in control and stay active and set your hope on the grace that is coming to you. Like, our focus should be on what is coming. That is the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. He's already told us back in uh, the previous verses that you have a living hope. Now live like it is what he's saying. In other words, we need to live thoughtful, intentional lives because of the grace that is coming to us. We don't just go about haphazardly and wander here and there getting tossed around by all the trends and whatever's popular and whatever's fancy and whatever's attractive and whatever's shiny and gets our attention. Like that, We're not to live that way, but rather we are to be focused on the hope that God has for us and we are to mentally engage and live a life in such a way that we are prepared for what's coming. All right? So... Hike up the pants of your mind and get ready to go. Get in the game. Secondly, there's this command to holy obedience. Now, this section 
is all about what is shaping your life. What are the things that you are allowing to form you? Because whether you're aware of it or not, we're all being shaped, we're all being formed by things. There are things that we just take in, even subconsciously, if we're not paying careful attention. I mean, we see this all the time. Like, how many times have you, um, like, been driving and you run by a fast food place or something like that, and you can sing the jingle from the commercial that you saw on TV, right? Like, we are constantly being influenced and, and, and shaped by things. And the question is, are we going to actively allow God to shape us, or are we just going to passively let other things shape us? We need to pay attention and decide what it's going to be. He says, as obedient children... Don't conform to the pattern of the evil desires that you had, but be holy because God is holy. And he gives this illustration, this image of children. And the idea here is that children are like their parents. As you get older, you recognize probably more and more that you were like your parents. I'm realizing this. I love my dad. Um, if you hang around with my dad long enough, you'll realize that um, he likes to mess with people. He likes to joke. He says some things that are different just to, you know, get a reaction out of you. Uh, these last two uh, uh, Friday nights at, at band practice, he's back there in the sound booth. We're up here trying to practice, and he's on the phone with telemarketers, giving them a hard time, saying all kinds of things that are just absolutely nonsense. It's like, they're going to waste his time. He's going to waste their time, I guess. I don't know. So if you call my dad and you wait long enough for the voicemail, he, he starts the voicemail with, hello. Now, I know this, and I cannot tell you the number of times I've called him and got the voicemail, and he says hello, and I'm like, hey, and I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. That's his, just as his voicemail, right? So on Christmas Day, me and Hannah and the kids are hanging around the house, and I'm doing some chores and playing with kids and whatever, and i got to take out the trash. So I take out the trash, and our neighbor has company over there, and I, I don't some relatives or friends or whoever, and there's this lady across the street looking at the neighbor's chicken coop. And I thought, it's Christmas Day, I'll just leave her alone or whatever. And, but I fiddled with the trash and whatever I did. It took so long that I thought, well, she's right across the street, and at this point, it's just awkward if I don't say hi or something. You know, like, I was just going to leave it alone. I, I should probably at least acknowledge her presence. She's not that far from me. It'd be weird or rude. I don't want to seem rude. But what came out of my mouth was, trying to pick out dinner. <laughs> so I walked back in and said, Hannah, am I becoming my father? And she just smiled. She didn't answer me, so <laughs> she either didn't hear me, which I hope she didn't hear me, or just chose to ignore me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but the point being is we recognize this in our earthly relationships, that, that we pick up on patterns that are handed down to us. And what he's calling us to is to pick up the pattern that is being handed down to us from our Father God and to be like him. So not getting stuck or shaped or formed into the mold 
of our evil desires that we had when we lived in ignorance. Like there was a time when we just didn't know any better. We were just living the way that we were living, probably because that's how the people before us lived. And that's just kind of what we've seen other people do. And we're just uh, going kind of through life, not paying attention. There's, there's a time when you lived that way. But I don't want you to live in ignorance anymore. And I don't want those things to, to shape you. Don't, don't be conformed to that. Don't conform to that. But rather, just as the one who called us is holy, so we are to be holy in all that we do. And this phrase, all you do, is that word that I was talking about that describes a way of life, a way of living. So we're, we're calling back to that over and over again in this passage. He says, I want you to pay attention to the way that you live, and I want you to be holy because, oh, by the way, God has called you. Now pay attention to that. God is calling you. He's inviting you to, to live life with him and to learn from him, to be holy and, and set apart from all the evil things that bring about destruction and death and to be um, made pure and righteous as you live a new life in him. And then he quotes the Old Testament, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And this is a call back to the passages in Leviticus where God is setting apart his people and he's just telling them to live the way that I am. So as children of God, we live like our heavenly father and we don't follow the patterns of our ignorant desires. And then thirdly, the third command that we see here is that we are called to reverent conduct. Let's read a little bit here. Verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We'll stop there. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. The word sense is the word if. In other words, he's trying to grab our attention. He's saying, if you're going to call on God, I want you to pay attention to what you're doing. Don't just call on him um, just because you're in a pickle and you're in, in trouble and you've got a problem and you need him uh, to, to do something. Like I, I want you to pay attention that this calling on God ha has some real impact. Has, should have some real consequences for you. He says, if you're going to call on God or the Father, understand that he judges each person's work impartially. In other words, God's not going to show favorites. He's going to judge based on our actions, the way that we live, and not give any special treatment. Oh, but, but God will. God will take note. God will, God will, you know, just let that one go by. It's no big deal. Like, it's like, no, don't downplay your sin. Don't downplay your evil desires. God is holy. You need to live like he's holy. You're going to be judged. There's going to be no favoritism. He tells us to live out our time as foreigners in reverent fear. This phrase 
live out is that same word that speaks to the way of life. Again, we're being reminded, how are you going to conduct yourself? What is the behavior of your life going to be like? And we need to remember that God's an impartial judge and that our status is we are temporary residents here. And so we respect God's goodness. And he's calling back to what he's reminded them of before is that you know, they're living like exiles in a foreign place. They're just here for a little while. We, as followers of Jesus, are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And what we do here matters, but we, we realize that this is not the end goal. The end goal is the eternal hope that we have. So we need to treat this life accordingly and that we need to live in respect. Now, this idea is not like a terror of God that we are... Uh, going to be judged. The Bible says that if we're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. We can have full confidence in Him. But what it does mean is that we ought to pay attention to how we live because God is not just our buddy up in heaven who's going to give us some good things whenever we want them. He is the holy, living God. He is perfectly just. He is perfectly righteous. And we ought to model our lifestyle after Him that we respect his power, that we respect his holiness. and We don't tread on it or treat it lightly. He says there's a reason for this. It's because you know that you weren't bought with gold or silver. You weren't redeemed. You weren't set free from the power of sin and death with dollars or wealth. or like just You, you weren't bought that way, but, but rather... You were bought, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. It is valuable beyond measure. Christ was a spotless sacrifice. It's compared to the Old Testament sacrifices of a, a lamb without blemish or without defect. Christ paid the ultimate price, the Son of God taking on flesh, shedding His blood for you. Remember that and live like it. Don't treat it as if it's nothing. Again, this reference to the empty way of life that's handed down to you. And this is the idea that without God, there's no ultimate meaning or value for life. That it really is just emptiness and vanity. It's meaningless. It's what the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us. You were bought out of that. You have purpose. You were created uh, with a plan in mind. You were created for relationship with the eternal God. And so our way of life should honor Christ's sacrifice. We act knowing that he paid the price for us. Notice here it says that he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. This word chosen is that word that we talked about a few weeks ago, foreknown. God had a plan, God had a purpose in the beginning and that was to send Christ to redeem us. And he's being revealed in these last times for our sake. And Peter is once again reminding his readers that we are in a privileged position when it comes to redemptive history. 
There was a long time when the prophets were looking for the coming of the Messiah and the people cried out to God. And now we, in the time that we live, we live in the time of Christ when Christ has come and we are the recipients of all those blessings. We have experienced the gospel of grace and we don't treat it lightly. He says, through him, that is Christ, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and so your faith and hope are in God. All right, so Christ was part of God's plan, and it's through Christ that we put our trust in God, that we enter into this trust relationship. This is more than just, you know, I think it to be true, belief. No, this is I am in a personal relationship with God. I trust that he will do what he says, and I know that he has the power because he raised Christ from the dead and he glorified Christ, so then I can put my trust and my hope in God. That's, That's the thought process here. If, Christ, if God was able to raise Christ from the dead, then he is worthy of my trust. I can expect that God's promises are true and that he is able to do what he has promised. So we act or we live in loyal belief and expectation as we await the fulfillment of God's promises to us. This is what reverent conduct is about. That I understand the holiness of God And I understand the precious sacrifice of Christ, and I live in line with that. We're going to stop there today. As we talk about the idea of a holy way of life, he continues and he begins to describe how it is that we live in groups with other people and in the body of Christ and how we treat our brothers and sisters. Uh, but, But for today, we're going to stop there as we begin to think about this idea of way of life. I'm going to just sum up what we've covered so far. One, that we set our hope on God and we stay alert. That we are prepared mentally for actions. We're engaged. We're thoughtful and intentional about walking with God as we look toward that hope. It's not just, all oh, whenever it comes and I'll just float around until then. But I live actively with that hope in mind. That we follow God's model for holiness that we don't let our selfish desires, the evil desires, shape us. We don't conform to them. But rather, we look at the, the purity of God, the righteousness of God, and we live according to that. And we model as obedient children what our Father is doing. And finally, we live in a way that honors the sacrifice of Christ. We've been set free from emptiness, from brokenness, from, from fear and terror of judgment. Now we conduct our lives in a way that reflects that with all honor and respect and glory because we were bought with his precious blood. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to study your word together. I pray that you would encourage us and build us up. Lord, I thank you that you call us to a holy life, that you call us out and invite us into relationship with you. God, I pray as each one of us considers the commands here, that you would reveal to us the things that we need to do to draw nearer to you, to live more in line with your calling for us. God, I pray that we would live not according to the flesh, but by the power of the Spirit, that you would fill us, Lord, so that we might truly take hold of the hope that you have for us, that our trust and our hope would be solidly placed 
in you, the living God. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.